And real simple, real simple. This is what you'll find. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. We have, over the last few weeks, been in this series entitled Expectant. And basically what we've been doing is talking about the attitude and the energy that we want to enter into the holiday season and even close out this year with, with an expected energy that we can go into it the right way so that we can come out of it without being depleted, without being um, uh, hindered or without feeling like we just exhausted everything that we have so that we can actually enjoy what we are experiencing. Here's what I'm loving right now. Today, today we are officially like dead in the middle of holiday season because, you know, after Thanksgiving, it's kind of like this is like it. You know, Thanksgiving is like the start, but after Thanksgiving, specifically on that day following Thanksgiving, that's when you really know you're in holiday season on Black Friday, right? Right? All right. How many of y'all went shopping Black Friday? Y'all went, yeah? All right. All right, y'all. Y'all, y'all went out there in that chaos. God bless y'all for that. God bless y'all. It is, um, so it just passes by, and today, it, it, it's, it's real. And so we, we haven't been able to do it yet, but usually in our family, uh, on Friday, I mean, that Friday, we get right to it, man. We decorate the house, and, uh, and we have hot cocoa. We normally watch uh, a movie. We watched the movie last night and had our cocoa. We still haven't decorated yet, but we get right into it. We love the holiday season. Matter of fact, it's not even a week. I love this season. Listen, I mean, you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want to me. There's little to nothing that you can do to take me out out of my mood during the holiday season. It's such a good time, right? Right? During the holiday season, man, people are just happy for no reason. You can walk in any building. You can walk in the stores. You're greeted with smiles. Something about Christmas decorations just make you feel all warm on the inside, right? How many of y'all walked in and saw the trees and stuff and just got happy? Like, oh, man, you know, I just, it just looks so good. How many of y'all walked and seen if there's any presidents under the tree? Anybody? Anybody? Yep, sorry for you. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. This holiday season does something for you. It heightens your expectancy. It changes your attitude. The way that you look at things just seems different. You, you make better choices about what you're going to allow to influence you during the holiday season. The music that you listen to is important because you want to listen to the music that brings you joy. What you watch on television can be different because you want to watch movies and shows that as a child or maybe at the age that you are now just really changes how you look and how you feel about the world. There's something different. Wouldn't you agree about the holiday season? There's a certain level of expectancy within our series, right, that you experience during the holiday season. Here's my question for you today. What would life look like if we didn't wait for the holiday season to arrive, but we live with that type of expectancy day in and day out? What if rather than waiting for Black Friday, waiting for December, waiting for Christmas season, we lived each and every day waiting with expectancy, believing that good things are going to come our way and not allowing the negativity of the world or the things that seem to get us down. What if we lived each and every day just believing that good things are going to happen? What if every day was Christmas season? What if from January 1 to December 31, you live with that same type of hopefulness within your life? How would your life look? How would your life look if you woke up and you lived with that positivity and that type of expectancy, believing and fully embracing the new mercies that God has promised 
to you. One of the challenges in this age is that, and what limits our ability oftentimes to lead these expectant lives, is that we've forgotten how to wait. Yeah, we, we've forgotten how to wait. And part of that is we oftentimes don't even know what waiting is. When, when we talk about waiting, we think about waiting within the things that drain us. If I talk about waiting, we'll think about this is just Black Friday, just happened the other day. So we imagine waiting, oh, that's like going to the malls and waiting in the long Christmas lines. But that's not waiting. I remember when my wife and I first got married. And, uh, and I had no knowledge of Black Friday. I was a young man. You don't go shopping. You just wear whatever you got, and you buy stuff when it falls apart. But she took me in our first year of marriage to Black Friday shopping, and I remember I had no acknowledgement of it, and we went out about midnight, and we walked into Walmart. I noticed that the parking lot was kind of packed. I just paid no mind. Well, I walked inside there, and I walked in, and I promise you, I hadn't seen a crowd that big since the last concert that I went to. And we were just going for one TV. We got up in the middle of the night and went to Walmart for one television. And I was okay until I saw the line. And when I saw the line, I was sure that she didn't love me. I was absolutely positive because why would you make somebody stand in a line that long if you truly love them? I reconsidered our marriage right there that day. I said, I, I just don't know. I think she's got ill intentions for him. We sit in the line. Here's the thing. We never got into an argument until we went shopping together. And that day, I was like, this is bigger than an argument. This is, this is something. She is something else. She has got some problems in her heart to bring me out here in this issue like this. Man, they're, 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 that type of waiting is what we think about. Or perhaps you're talking about waiting in the hospital or waiting at the DMV. Those things that are draining to us. When we think about waiting, that's where our mind goes at, right? We think about the things that drain us. But biblically, when you're talking about waiting, it's not those things at all. There is a, a different frame, a different energy that comes when you're waiting on the Lord. There's a difference between waiting and waiting for God. In fact, I love this uh, Pastor G. Campbell Morgan. He talks about waiting like this. He says that waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, check this out, activity under command. Second, readiness for any new command that may come. Third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. Man, there is a difference between waiting for yourselves or waiting for things or time and waiting for God. I love that first thing that he says. He says, first, it is activity under command. G. Campbell Morgan is on to something. There's biblical roots in that statement right there because that's what it means to be a true sheep, recognizing that you serve a good shepherd. Oh, y'all don't think I know what I'm talking about. There's a good shepherd and we are his sheep. Here's the thing. Activity under command is basically this. Did you know that a sheep can only see about six to ten feet in front of them? Yeah, so what a good sheep must do is listen for the voice of the shepherd and recognizing that they have limited vision. And so what a sheep does, if you've ever seen a shepherd with a sheep out in a field, a sheep only goes so far to what they can see and they stop and they listen for the shepherd's voice. Activity under command. And so the behavior is very simple. They walk six feet. They stop and listen for the shepherd's voice. Activity under command. They walk another six feet and they stop and they listen for the shepherd's voice. 
voice. And what they do not do is walk without hearing the voice of the shepherd. A good sheep waits and listens for the shepherd, waits and listens for the Lord and recognizing that I cannot do, I will not do, I refuse to move until the shepherd calls my name until I hear the shepherd's voice. Activity under command. But also check this out. Not only activity under command, he also said that it is readiness for any new command that may come. While we are waiting, what we must recognize is sometimes the shepherd is going to speak and some of the things that he's going to speak to us are going to be things that we've never heard before. So, Lord, my grandmother used to sing this song back in the day. Any way that you want to bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. Basically, what grandma was singing about is there may be some things, Lord, that I am not prepared for totally, but I'm going to listen to your voice and whatever you say, do it. I'm going to move when, how, the way that you are calling me to. There's activity under command, readiness for any new command, and then the ability to do nothing until the command is given. Now recognize that waiting, as he said in the earlier part, is not laziness or doing nothing. Waiting means that I'm going to oftentimes do my normal behavior, walk my normal course until the Lord moves or until the Lord says move. I'm going to do what I've always been doing. And I'm not going to change my repertoire. I'm not going to change my behavior hoping or thinking that I can make something happen. I'm going to do what I do the way that I've been doing it until the Lord tells me to do otherwise. Let me give you an example if you don't think that I'm making it clear. I've got a friend. I've got a friend who moved believing that God called him. It seemed rather abruptly he moved from Maryland to Seattle, Washington, believing that the Lord called him there. He moved seemingly abrupt, not just himself. It was him his wife and their five children with no job, with no resources, they moved from Maryland to Seattle, Washington, what seemed like abruptly. Those who were not in his inner circle questioned him. They said to him, I remember them saying, they said, Michael, listen, Michael, I really think that it is really unfaithful of you as a father and a husband to uproot your family and to move way across the country without having the means, without having a plan, without having a job to uproot and do that plan. From the outside, the external forces were speaking that. What they did not know was that Michael was exercising what G. Campbell Morton was talking about. The Lord told him 10 years ago that he was going to call him to a place and that he was going to send him into Seattle. And what Michael had been doing for 10 years is he had been putting money to the side, believing that when God calls him, God was going to give him exactly what he needed when he needed so that he could make it there and he could fulfill the purposes that he called. From the outside, it looked like Michael was being irresponsible, uprooting his family, uprooting his family, uh, his kids out of school, taking his wife from her job, going there with no career in hand or in mind, but they did not know God had been boiling that thing inside of his heart. And the only thing that Michael had been waiting for is for the Lord to say, go. When you are waiting for the Lord to tell you to move, when you're waiting for the Lord to tell you to go, oftentimes it's not going to make sense in the minds and the hearts of people. They're not going to get it. They're going to tell you that they don't see it. It doesn't make sense. Why don't you do things the smart way? Don't quit that job without getting another job. Don't move that place without having 
having a plan, but when people don't understand that God is your plan and that you've been waiting and trusting on God for the last five, ten years, in the case of Michael, it may not make sense to your friends. It may not even make sense to your family members, but the only person that has got to make sense to you is with you and God because God is the one that's calling you to it. Wait for the Lord. It doesn't always make sense in the mind of people, but wait on God because when God is for you, he's better than the world who is against you. Wait on the Lord at all times. Wait for the Lord. But here's the thing about waiting too. Waiting is more of an attitude and a disposition than an activity. One more time. Waiting waiting is more of an attitude and a disposition than it is a behavior. Waiting is not about activity. Waiting is 100% about attitude. It's about attitude. It's about how you're doing what you're doing. Waiting. Waiting is that. And I love thinking about that and about the, the attitude. I was sharing this concept with my daughter not too long ago about the difference between those who do and those who don't. It's not an ability. It's an attitude. It's all about attitude. Ability answers the question, can I? Which, in most cases, most people can. Yes, you can. You have the ability. You can do whatever you want to do, when you want to do it. Ability is not the problem. The attitude is the issue. Ability, can I? Is answered, yeah, you can because you've got the gifts. You may even have the resources. But attitude, will you? Well, that's the problem. That's where we run into an issue. If you have an attitude to wait properly, wait for the Lord, listen to the Lord's voice. And what separates those who do from those who oftentimes don't is not the ability because many people can, but everybody won't. So what you got to ask yourself is if you have the attitude, not if you got the enemy trips us up with that. The enemy will speak against your giftedness. He will say that you're not smart enough, that you're not talented enough, that you don't have the energy enough. Those are the tricks of the enemy. That never comes from God because God has placed it in inside of you. The enemy trips you up there, but what God wants you to know is it's not in your ability because if God called you to it. He will see you through it. It's not in your ability, baby. It's in your attitude. Will you? Will you speak against the negativity? Will you move when you, when you feel like you don't have the strength to? Will you not allow the negative forces? Will, will you fight against those things that are hindering you? Will you fight against your own attitude at times, right? So that you can move in the direction in which the Lord is calling you. And so Isaiah said, the key to this is the renewal that needs to happen inside of your heart as you are waiting for the Lord. But they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to give you a few quick points and we're going to get out of here. Here's, here's what this renewal looks like and some things that you can practice within your attitude so that you can move forward. The first thing is this. Listen, uh, watch with expectancy, but be prepared for unexpected answers. Watch with expectancy, but be prepared for unexpected answers. Here's the one thing that I know about our God is sometimes we pray, we pray, and we pray. And oftentimes the blessing that God has for us doesn't come from the box that we created for it. 
Yeah, God, listen, I I said that I wanted it to look like this. I've been praying. I've been fasting. But when God gives it to you, it oftentimes don't come in the shape and in the form that you have. Be prepared. Be prepared that God may move. God will move. Matter of fact, God is going to move. But just don't be too deterred if whatever he decides to do doesn't look like the way that you thought that it would. Because, you know, the one thing about God is that he is God and he's God all by himself. And he is such a God. He knows what's best for you. So oftentimes, here's the thing. When we pray, we pray for things that we have the foresight, which is very limited to do. And oftentimes when we're praying for that, what we're doing is hindering what God wants to do. So our God is so big. Check this out. Our God is so big. What you've got to do in your waiting process is trust that God is bigger than my prayers. Matter of fact, man, that's what Paul talks about, that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine. How about this? How about as we are waiting? How about as we are expecting God to do something? Rather than praying for God to do things that we think he can do within our own strength, we start praying, listen, God, I know that there are some things that I need to be done in my life. Lord, how about you do it the way that you can? God, how about you do something so big that I can't even handle it, God? I don't want to limit you. I don't want to prohibit you from what you want to do. So, God, do it big for me, God. Show yourself to be God. You want to know what's a wonderful testimony? Is that when you can talk to people and you can tell people that I've been praying for this, but listen, I didn't know that God was going to do it like this. I didn't know that God was going to bless me like this. I didn't know that God was going to open these doors. I didn't know that God was going to change this situation. I didn't know that God was going to mend this brokenness. I didn't know that God was, but I knew that he will. And I knew that he can. Watch with expectancy, but be prepared for unexpected answers. The second thing is this, man, this is profound right here. Trust in the Lord, not in your own understanding. That, I, that's not mine, that's Bible. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make that up. I didn't make that up. But sometimes we forget, right? Trust in the Lord. Matter of fact, let's just run the whole verse, right? Five and six. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will do what? He will direct your paths. Imagine this. What if, what if God was the filter by which you ran every decision and every step of your life through? What if you trusted God with every step that you take and every move that you make? What if this was more than a notion? What if this was a law that you live by? As a matter of fact, here's the thing. When I read this scripture, I don't read this as though this is a suggestion. This seems like this is a command. Yeah, this is a directive by which we should live by. The proverb writer, he's saying, listen, how about you by chance, if you feel like it, won't you consider trusting God? Because from what we see, considering trusting God happens to be a decent thing to do. That's not what the proverb writer is doing. The proverb is is letting you know, here's what a life that is fully directed, that leads to the promises that God has for you looks like. Trust in the Lord with everything that you have. And lean not to your own understandings and in all of your ways acknowledge him. Here's where humanity misses the mark on that. What we still do is we still try to trust in the Lord with the things that we have power and control over. So God, listen, I've got a job. I'm going to trust you to pay me every week or every other week so that I can pay my bills. 
to your glory. God, I'm going to trust you with that. God, God, listen, man, my salvation is in your hands. Well, there's nothing you can do about that. So you put it in the Lord's hand and you figure the Lord's going to take care of it. But what about those things that you think that you do have control over? Yeah. What about the things that you think that you're smart enough to handle? What about those things that you don't pray about? What could God do if, if you've been successful with some things in your own hand? What happens if you put the things that you're so successful with in the Lord's hands? How much greater could it be if rather than leaving it in your hand, you say, God, listen, it's been in my hands, but I put it in your hands. And God, I expected to do greater things in your hands because in my hands, I've done a pretty decent job. But how much more of a blessing could it be if you allowed God to handle the things that you think that you've got control over. If you put activity under command as the things that you do day in and day out, you do it as though it is just average behavior, what would your life look like if it wasn't you? And you said, God, it's all in your hands. I trust you with every single bit of it. But also, also, this is the one I want to sit in for a moment. Resist fear, refrain from anger, be still and choose patience. Resist fear. Refrain from anger. Be still and choose patience. Resist fear. Here's, here's one of the things that I've learned from working with people. Oftentimes, the anger, the pushback, or sometimes the negative energy that we experience from people comes from the anxiety because they find themselves in places where they have no control. Or maybe that you, maybe I'm not talking about somebody else. Maybe I'm talking about you. Maybe you find yourself constantly uncomfortable because the things that you are currently operating in, the situation that you find yourself in, stressed and overwhelmed, is because you feel like you have no control. I want to go back to the earlier part that I mentioned just a moment ago. The problem there is not about the ability in that moment. It's about your attitude in that moment. If you're truly a follower of Jesus, you're going to find yourself oftentimes in a place where you cannot control how things are going to turn out. And in that time, what you've got to do is fix your attitude. That's what my mama used to say. Boy, fix your attitude. Fix your attitude and trust that the Lord is going to see you through. Resist fear. My brothers and sisters here today, I want to let you know that there are some things that you're going to experience for this last quarter of the year that may make you uncomfortable. You've got to resist fear. There are some things that's going to put you in a position so tight that it's going to stretch your relationships. Resist the fear that may have you rejecting people, rejecting the ability or the opportunity to love. Resist that fear. So real quickly, I want you to think about something because we're going to make this participatory real quickly. I want you to get in your mind the thing that you're experiencing constantly or something in your life right now that has you fearful. Something that is making you uncomfortable or that you feel angry about. Maybe it's somebody. Maybe it's some situation. I want you to get that in your head. And in a moment, we're going to call that thing out. All right? All right? Resist it. Resist the fear. Refrain from anger. Refrain from the anger. Be still and choose patience. In that, remember that as we're being still, it's not about inactivity. It's about just trusting God that you're going to wake up day in and day out, and you're going to listen for him to tell you what you need to do when it is time for you to do those things. Resist it. Resist it. It's all in your attitude. I just gave you some homework. Let's see if you did it. 
On the count of three, man, I hope you got it in your mind. And I don't want you to worry about your neighbor. I don't want you to be fearful of what somebody may think about it. Even if it is yourself, don't worry about them. Because what we're doing is we're putting it in an atmosphere. We're trusting that the Lord is going to do something with it. What's that thing, man? What's something in your life right now that has you fearful, something that you are possibly dreading, that's having you stressed out? I don't know what it is. It could be relationships. It could be finances. It could be something internally that you're battling with. Let's call those things out. Let's put it at the feet to the master and trust that God will do something with it. So on the count of three, don't be bashful. Scream it out. Let us hear it. Let's trust together. Let's be authentic as we claim to be as his body. And let's speak that thing. One, two, three. Okay, come on. Call it out a little more. You're not loud enough. I can't hear you. Come on. Come on. One more time. Oh, oh man, I don't know about that. I, I don't know if y'all truly believe that God can do something with it. Yeah, y'all do? Y'all do? Okay, my wife said y'all do, so I'm going to trust her, and I'm going to give y'all one more time to shout it like you mean. I, I just, I just want to hear a voice. I know one church, y'all don't like to be told what to do, but since I'm on stage, I'm going to. And I want you to shout that thing loudly. Don't worry about, listen, the baby's going to wake up. It's okay, just for this moment. We're going to shout a little bit loud, and we're going to get outside of ourselves for a moment, because in order to do some of these things, what we're doing when we are trusting in ourselves is we are putting it all on our shoulders. Sometimes you've got to get outside of yourself. Step outside of yourself. Do something that is abnormal, something that you wouldn't ordinarily do because you're trusted in an extraordinary God. How about you do something difficult, something different, and look for God to do something different? So on the count of three, can you shout it like you mean it? Shout it like you wish you avail would have won yesterday. Just give us everything that you got. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Thank you. I don't know what that moment is. But there's, there's, there's fears, man, that we, that we allow to hinder us. They prohibit us. We suppress them. We, we keep them down. We're walking around with people, and people are asking us, how are you doing? And you give them lies, and you're telling them that you're okay, and you're not okay. You're stressed out. You, you're feeling hopeless at times. You're feeling distracted. You're feeling like you have no way to go. You're not certain about where you are. You're wondering if you're supposed to be here, or you're supposed to be somewhere else. You're wondering if you're supposed to be concentrating on this move or that move. Are you at the right job? Are you in the right position? What are those things? Are you in the right relationship? There's so many things that hinder us, and we've got so much anxiety about it, and we're keeping it to ourselves, and we're not allowing the Lord to hand it to us. I grew up in a way that I completely disagree with. In the church where I grew up with, we were taught, listen, don't claim the things that you're experiencing. And I always rejected that as a kid because if you can't claim and if you don't believe that it's happening, how is the Lord going to heal it? And sometimes in order to allow the Lord to heal the brokenness in our lives, rather than holding it in, you've got to put it at the master's feet and say, God, listen, here right now, I am experiencing pain. This hurts. This has me angry, God. This has me experiencing anxiety, Lord. This right here has me uncomfortable, Lord. This right here has me complacent, Lord. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to handle it. I feel like I have no options, and you've got to speak that thing. Give it to the Lord and trust that the Lord can do something with it. And when you do, the last thing that we'll see is that you remember that the blessings are yet to come. The blessings are yet to come. Now, I don't know 
what blessings you're expecting. I don't know where your hope lies. I don't know what you're expecting for the Lord. I don't know where your expectancy is. But I believe that the key to us walking and eventually experiencing the blessings that we're hoping for doesn't lie in God's ability or our ability. It lies in our attitudes. And if we can control our attitude, fix our attitudes, and remember that if we watch with expectancy and be prepared for the answers that we don't know because God doesn't function like us, if we trust in the Lord, if we resist fear and anger and be still, within our attitude, I believe that God will bless us, not the way that we hope that he can, in ways that we can never imagine. So I don't know about your God. My God is bigger than my prayers. And I don't know about your God. My God is bigger than the 66 books that we hold in our Bibles. That's true about my God. I don't know about your God. My God is bigger than politicians. My God is bigger than the media. I don't know about your God. My God is bigger than the illnesses that we experience. My God is bigger than the things that hinder us. My God is big. And what I want to do with my life is I want to make sure that I am fixing and controlling my attitude so that I can experience everything that God has for me. And I refuse to spend the remainder of my days in an environment where I'm not allowing God to be free, allowing God to move. So as the worship team, you see they're coming up. I'll ask if I can have some counselors come up here as well. And, um, and I just want to issue one specific call today. And that call is specifically with the attitudes that we just spoke about. Because I believe that there's somebody in here today. Those areas that we just mentioned, you're struggling there. And you want to do better. You want to get better. You want to be well. But sometimes you feel like you're not capable or able. And so um, we've got four counselors, two uh, to my sides, and we've got two in the rear. You shouldn't see them. And I'm reminded disciples simple prayer he just said Lord help my unbelief and that's where where those expressions come from so let's do this let's stand stand all over this room and the worship team is going to lead us I'm going to say a quick prayer when I do we've got Kat and Angel here we've got Stephanie and Joshua in the rear Once I complete the prayer, it'll be your time to go. You don't have to give them a testimony. Just say, I need prayer. And they'll know what to do. Let us pray. God, we are waiting for you. But Lord, help us with learning how to wait. Lord, that we may wait with the right posture, with the right attitude. God, that we might walk into
walk into the purposes that you have for us. God, help us, Lord, to trust in the way that you want us to and not to limit you to what we believe that you are capable of doing. But God, help us to walk into that belief, Lord, that is in Ephesians 3. That it exceeds, God, what we are able to walk in and believe. And to trust you with all that we have. And to sit and wait, Lord, for you to show up. God, I believe that you will. For all of my sisters and brothers who are gathered here today, Lord, I believe that you will. But Lord, I believe that there is someone here today, Lord, who needs to move and trust you for this work. God, Holy Spirit, come alongside them. Do not allow any negative thought, any fear to hinder them from moving forward. God, give them the strength to say, yes, Lord, today, I will trust in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Will you come now? Our counselors are here as the worship team leads us. You did.